All right, people, let's do this one last time. This is the way. Who am I? I am Iron Man. Romamu, I've come to bargain. We know each other. He's a friend from work. You may be wondering why the red suit. Well, that's so bad guys can't see me bleed. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. Beware my power. Green Lantern's life. That is America's ass. Language. Hey, you know what? There's another name you might know me by. Star-Lord. Who? Star-Lord, man. Legendary outlaw. You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. I am inevitable. Stop right there. I'm in. Welcome, everybody, back to the Flavor of the Geek podcast, where we talk about all things geek. My name is Matthew, and we're, I'm joined today by my co-host, Michael McCaughey. How you doing? Hey, ain't nothing but a G-thing, baby. Ain't nothing but a G-thing. And hey, Steven's also here with us. How you doing today, Steven? Well, I have a pulse today, so that's good. I'm alive. Uh-huh. That's yeah. always good, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Steven, what's yeah. going on? No. What's going on, baby? Oh, man, it's talk, talk about it with us. We're in a safe space. Well, I've been, I've been sick most of the week, so I mean, I'm just recovering from that. So I'm all good, though. I'm all good. I'm so, excited to talk yeah. about what we got to talk about today. Well, I'm happy to have everyone here today. So our main topic of the day is the Eternals movie. This dropped last Thursday, and we two of us have seen it twice. One of us has seen it once, and yeah, that we're so we're gonna do we'll kind of a deep dive into this movie. <laughs> Who's the only person that's only seen it once? Oh, what no, that's idiot. you. That's you, man. That's you. Ha ha, loser. <laughs> yeah, loser. idiot. You Damn. ain't a true fan. <laughs> you ain't nothing. Yeah, I saw it in Orlando when I was there last week, and then uh, and Steven saw it. I don't know. When did you see it, Steven? I saw it uh, last week on Friday night. Yeah, yeah, Friday night. Uh, so you were in Fort Myers? Yeah, I was in Fort Myers at the time, and then I saw it yesterday with you. Nice, nice. And then Mike saw it. When did you see it, Mike? I saw it four times in a row uh, yesterday. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it started at 11 a.m. Good for you. Yeah, I ate bags of popcorn and drank eight slushies. Ices. Wow. So, no, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, dedication. Yeah. 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 Put us sure. all to shame. I would agree. So I'm, I am incredibly sick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I was just thinking you would do a great job during this, uh, this review because you've seen it four times, so... I uh, can't wait to hear your thoughts on this movie. I, I was comatose <laughs> for viewing three and four. Oh, really? Mm. <laughs> they had to carry you from three to four. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> He's bought it. He can't, can't waste the money. Yeah, was, yeah. So I'm not well, allowed to go back to that theater, but I had a great time. This movie, so this movie premiered a couple weeks ago in L.A., and since then... The critics on Rotten Tomato have given it a 46%, making it rotten. <sighs> so this is the first rotten MCU movie that we've had. Uh, again, per critics, I will go into our reviews personally of it later, but uh, the, the critics are saying it's forty it's worth 46%. So that's pretty crazy. Is this uh, the lowest rated Marvel movie? It is. It is the lowest rated Marvel movie. Not, not but MCU, that's my next question like for Marvel you guys. in general, though. So that's counting no, all no, MC, maybe Spider-Man M- MCU. or the Hulk. Well, oh. it, it could be. The thing is, it could be 
I ask, I only know for sure that it's MCU movies, but it could be including other Marvel movies. I'm not 100% sure I'm on that. But yeah, my, my main question for you guys is, starting with Mike, is, it, is this movie, does it deserve 46%? Yeah. <laughs> one of the main takeaways, it's, it's a really tough question because no, I don't think so. I don't think it deserved 46%. I don't think it deserved 90%. I think it maybe deserved like 60 to 70. <laughs> this movie is, it's definitely a Marvel movie. This is, this is going to be kind of hard to explain. Maybe not. In my opinion, this was almost like a, a spinoff movie that referenced Marvel properties. I could right. say that I think someone could go into this movie and have it be their first Marvel movie and not really have that much of a problem. Yeah. It's, it's, it seems like its own, its own standalone thing. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. But it, it seems and feels like the other Marvel movies are so much more tightly intertwined with each other. And they have characters from other Marvel properties appearing and they they definitely make more references. This is very isolated mm-hmm. and it's a lot of information and a lot of things to learn in what ended up being a pretty long movie. Um, so I don't think it deserves 46%. It's definitely not the best Marvel movie, but I don't think it's the worst. Right. So I'm no, surprised I, to hear that it, it got such a low rating. No, I agree, too. When I was seeing it happen, I was, when it kept going down. It went from 70, or it went to, like, from 90 to 80 to 70 to 60 to 50. I was like, it cannot go past 50. And it did. It went to 46. Now, do so, we know Steven, the, do we know the review rating versus the fan rating? Yeah. I know those are two 86%, separate I think. Yeah. Yeah, eighty six percent was the the last thing I saw was eighty six percent for for actual um, the fans, audience score fan yeah. score the audience score right compared to the I think that says something yeah exactly which you know I think yeah usually but the, usually the critic score and the audience score are much closer than this and the fact that it's a huge gap yeah it's it's really a huge gap which. Makes me wonder if they were just trying to... I think Steven mentioned this in his review on TikTok. Or would they were just trying to find something to hate about the movie? I'm not sure why. I, most of the reason I think I've heard from other podcasts and YouTube videos I've listened to is it's possibly because of the sex scene and that there was a gay family in the movie. And that's why people yikes. were trying to put it down because Big most of the people yikes. who are watching all these critics... Some of these people, the, most of the critics are older generation critics, so that's, that's why they're they're hating on the movie that much. And which I get, I don't agree with this rating. Stephen, really do you agree with it. it? All right. So, as you as I uh, mentioned once before, I don't agree with the uh, the critic score on this. I think it's absolute bullshit. Forty six percent for a movie of this kind of quality. I get it, you know, there are 10 characters that you're trying to introduce, and it can be challenging to introduce so many characters. It was difficult for um, Batman v Superman and the Justice League to introduce just three or four characters into it, and they didn't even do that good of a job. 
I think for the <laughs> amount of characters they had in this movie, Scoops and there's so much, there's so much, so much backstory with these guys, so much history between all of them, and you have two hours and like thirty minutes to do all of that. I was very, very impressed with what they were able to do in that amount of time. Now I get two hours and thirty minutes in a movie is long. But when you're telling a story that is spanned between 7,000 years of history, I think it makes sense to be that way. Um, right. I loved the dynamic between certain characters like uh, Makara with uh, Drugo? Druga? Druig. Druig. Thank you. Druig. Um, certain moments with Icarus and with uh, Cersei or with Gilgamesh and with Thena. Like, there are so many cool. Uh, so many cool dynamics in one movie uh, and multiple like co- comedic relief characters which I really loved very cool fight scenes I'm if I'm allowed to speak my mind right now I think there are a lot Go of there are, there are lots of thoughts that are quite difficult to articulate into words but I'm going to do my best to, to, to um, put this all into words the cinematography and direction in this movie, on my, in my mind, is incredible. The CGI can, you know, has some things to, to, to be, uh, to be improved on, you know, especially for a Phase Four film. Uh, the performances across the board were were really strong. I didn't really see a single weak link in the entire department with all ten of these these characters. Um, I liked all of the characters too, even if. Uh, some were more underdeveloped than others. I get it. They're, but again, 10 characters that you're trying to develop their backstories for. So right. uh, it's a, it, it, it can be very intimidating to to compile all these characters together. And I think that the director did a very good job on piecing together the right things to talk about. And I was really excited to see more of the cosmic MCU um um, with this movie, and I can't wait to see what they're going to do with the cosmic MCU portions in the coming years. Now, seeing how cool the Celestials look makes me even more excited for Galactus and the in- his inevitable arrival. It just it has to happen. Um, yeah. I also, as I think Mike mentioned this, it's such... It, I love how disconnected this is from the rest of the MCU. Like We've never seen something of this magnitude before and I get it it's not gonna be like an Infinity War Endgame or like Thor Ragnarok kind of um quality movie where it's gonna be like oh this is this is it's out it's it's out of the park so good uh people are out of their seats like raving and because of how good it was like if they're freaking out at different moments um but it had a lot of potential now not it, it was it, it was um it, it was really cool to see how this director was able to, to, to bring forth 10 characters who I personally had never really heard of before and introduce them into the <laughs> MCU and make them make me care about them. You know, there wasn't a single moment where I didn't I, I was like, OK, this guy I don't really care for. Move on to the next person. I was like, I was invested in the story. I was invested in these characters and like where they came from, what what they developed into all their personalities, most of them all deferred, you know, but they managed mm-hmm. to work together for thousands of years to get to get to where they were, and then they're 
comes the deviants and the celestials and all these different things that are are um they have to, they have to think about now am i allowed to spoil something right now or that should i wait until later no, as long as you're saying mm. you're gonna spoil it, let's let's go spoiler. All right, screw it. Spoiler. Spoiler. This, this is a very heavy spoiler show. This episode, so if you're listening, probably back off if you don't if you've never seen Eternals yet. So if you haven't seen it, come back after you watched it. Right. If you yes. haven't seen it so far, uh, take a little seat away from the the podcast for maybe another like <laughs> twenty seconds. But when they reveal. When the celestial, when when uh, Asherim, 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 when he when he reveals the plan Arishim? that Arishim, thank you, oh my gosh, Arishim, thank you, yeah. Arishim, when Arishim reveals to Cersei that the reason why they were there was to protect people and to develop the whole entire planet so that they have it would grow and build more people so that it would have enough to then destroy the planet. Then create a celestial that that one would expand on the universe. It would, it would create um, hundreds of millions of lives, but it would also take away or hundreds of billions of lives, and also but it would also take away six to seven billion lives. I was, I I sat there. I was like, holy shit! What a, an interesting plot twist. You know, it isn't just <laughs> the deviants that we are are focusing on as the main the main bad guys because I that's one thing that I. That I um, I struggled with when I first saw the trailer. When they're talking about deviants, I was like, eh, this seems kind of bland. It feels kind of generic. But when you throw a, a plot system like that in there, the Eternals, they have they they they're they're torn, and I love to see that because I was torn watching them be torn about the situation. Because what would you do? Like it's six billion lives. It's a it's sm- a, a small fraction of what you would actually be creating. You'd, you would gain hundreds of billions of lives from just destroying one planet. But would you be able to go through with it? What's the right thing to do? And what's the moral thing to do? Was, mm-hmm. I love to witness that because you could see Cersei and all the other characters struggle with that. Right. And I personally enjoyed every single moment of this. Also, going back to my CGI point, even though I believe it had something, it, need, it needs improvement. One of the coolest things that I've seen to date, CGI-wise, is the speedster CGI with Makara. Like, in my mind, uh, with the Flash TV series, with Flash in the, uh, the, D- the DCEU, and with Quicksilver in the MCU, this was by far, in my opinion, the coolest CGI um, work they've done. I was so excited when she went full on speedster mode and was beating down on Icarus, um, again spoilers of course, but um, <laughs> like when she was beating down Icarus and all that crap, going around him, I was like, man, I was punching the air. I was so excited. I was in. I was so engrossed with what was going on. I was so engaged. So, forty six percent, in my mind, is bullshit. <laughs> that just makes no sense. In my mind, I think it deserves. Maybe a, anywhere between 79% and 83%, you know? Um, but, yeah, I, I'm leaning more towards where the audience score is. Now, there are other movies, like I saw Batman v Superman, the critics score 
was like a 25 or whatever. And the audience score was like a 79. Now, that's another movie that I've, I've seen where the scores were divided by so much between the critics and the audience. I just, I just to- truly believe because of how different it was of, of an experience, because it wasn't your generic kind of thing that Marvel's used to doing with their movies. You know, like, oh, you have a hero, and then the villain has the same kind of powers or certain qualities that are related to the hero. So, you know, they when they finally battle it out, it's like, You're, we're not so same. We're, we're not so different, you <laughs> and I. We're, we're basically the same. We're brothers. I'm your father. Like, that kind of crap, you know? So, I hate when that even though I've enjoyed everything we've seen, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right? <that's laughs> even though worse. I've enjoyed the Marvel movies, every single Marvel movie except for Thor Dark World, um, <laughs> which I'm surprised. I'm pretty sure... Wait, what, what did Thor the Dark World get? That movie sucks. I'll look at that later. Uh, it was That's, definitely, that movie sucks so bad. Get a 46, so, it got higher than that. If it gets it got higher than this movie, that is BS to me. Cause if, if Thor Dark World was there was there wasn't really anything good about that, man. Like it sucked. If you if you didn't have That was one of the most boring movies. Yeah. <laughs> like at least for for me, like Eternals was worth watching and um I don't know if the critics were truly just turned away from the sex scene, or they, or if it was a turn away of the, of of the um, LGBTQ moment that they had in there. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I loved the LGBTQ um, moment that they had. I, when I, I was told that there was going to be that kind of moment at some point, I didn't know who it was though. I was leaning towards Sprite. I thought that she I was gonna so. have a, a a a crush on Cersei, just because like at the beginning you see that her, her following her around and it's like that. I was like, oh, this must be what happens. I had no idea that she liked Icarus. Okay, um, but when it came down to um, what the heck's his name, Festo, Festus, Fest, Fastos. Fastidious? Festos. Fastos. Fastidious. So, when they're basically going through and getting everybody back onto the squad because they need to, they need them to stop the deviants and all that, um, I first thought that the people that were with them were his son and his grandson. And then when they're in the house and like, the, the son's brushing his teeth and all that or, or the kid's brushing his teeth um, and he starts talking about his the, the life spoilers. he's built his, yeah spoilers again the life he's built and all that it then connected at that moment and then everything from that point as soon as it would happen for him I felt so much for his character because he was a you see him as a kind of guy who Loves to create to help develop, but then he sometimes hates the things that he is creating. Like they bring up Hiroshima, like he played a part when it came to that development in war, and he regretted it. He lost faith in humanity for a little bit. He didn't think he could ever um, find that, and he found it again with this love. And just seeing that, I was hoping so badly that they wouldn't kill him off. I was, I loved him. I, I fell in love with that that character, you know? Yep. Like, I didn't really care for the the actor prior to this, this movie because I saw him in, I'm pretty sure he was, he was in Godzilla and uh, Godzilla vs. Kong and I didn't care for that at all. Like, it just didn't do anything for me, but 
um, like him in this movie, I loved it. I really did. The actor did a great job with uh, those scenes. I don't think it was too over. I don't think it was too much for us to handle. And I think if the critics really are f- focusing on that and judging really hot, really poorly on that, that says a lot about your character because that's just stupid. Yeah. Like that's if you're judging on that part alone, fine. I I, I don't like that. Uh, if you're judging, if you're judging on the uh, sex scene that happened earlier on, that's somewhat that could be kind of cringy. It could be kind of like, oh, that's a shocker. Why are we witnessing them having sex? <laughs> like it could be implied, like you know, they start kissing and all of a sudden it fast forwards to them in bed or like on the ground, like with a sheet, and that's it. Like then it's, it's like post sex scene, you know. They don't show it, but they actually went forward and showed the sex scene. I was like, oh, yeah, we saw we okay. saw the uh, moment of penetration, pretty much. Basically, yeah, yeah. yeah I was like, okay. It um, was weird that the camera panned down to Icarus's bare <laughs> ass. <laughs> <laughs> so I could have, I could definitely have uh, lived could, without that. But uh, I don't think that they should have judged so much on the. Uh, on the, uh, I, I, I keep saying LGBTQ. I'm just going to say the gay scene if that's what we're going with. But I don't think that was a big deal. It was so stupid to think that that was... It, it kind of reminds me of when people freaked out that they were, were going to find a uh, homosexual in the Beauty and the Beast uh, live-action movie. And when they showed it, it wasn't even that big of a deal. It was so stupid that people were freaking out about it. I just... Who was homosexual in Beauty and the Beast? The uh, I think it was LeFou, wasn't it? Well, it was the candle, yeah. Sounds right. Hey, I am the gay. No, no, I thought it was LeFou. Oh, no, no, no LeFou. Yeah. LeFou, it was LeFou. Yeah, that's right. He's, yeah. in, he's in love with, uh, with Gaston. He was, he was in love with Gaston, and then he, he ends up oh, finding a, 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 a person to dance with later on. And, like... They hint at him being gay throughout the entire movie with Gaston, of course. Nobody but fucks when it, butt like Gaston. That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they show the uh, they show LeFou dancing at the end, and people were freaking out about that. Like, oh no, we can't have that. I'm like, no, That's man. So silly. Come on. We're in 2021 right now, and you're telling me this is gonna be a a big bother? Like, no. Um. So very very long story, uh, <laughs> or reasoning for what I wanted to say. I don't no, agree. Yeah, <laughs> I don't agree with forty six percent, man. I really don't. No, it was very well said. It I, seem, I, it you took most sense. of my my thoughts. It was very well said. Um, I, I I think my quick thoughts on the movie. Uh, the movie was jam packed with exposition, which we needed it because we were just introduced to ten people plus. Celestials and plus Dane Whitman. So we we're introduced to all these new characters we've never seen before. And so we, we needed that, that background and uh, to know what was happening and why it was happening. And the fact that they, that Chloe Zhao made me care about 10 characters that I have never seen before in the MCU. And I cared about all 10 of them. And maybe not so much Icarus, but. Uh, yeah, I cared about all of them, and besides Icarus, uh, but yeah, I thought it was pretty cr- pretty cool that she was a- able to get me to like and care about these characters. Mike, what are your quick thoughts about this uh, about the movie in general? It's man, I thought it was, I really thought it was better than forty six percent. Yeah, it was long. Yeah, the the. Sex. I mean, you don't really want to call it a sex scene. It was just like a yeah. I guess it was a shot of them with their clothes off. But 
it, yeah, that wasn't necessary. I don't really know. I get, I understand that the point of it is that the, you have these paired off characters that have been together for thousands of years and they deeply care about each other. Yeah. Um, you have that with Icarus and Cersei, clearly. I don't know why they got a sex scene, but you got like uh, Gilgamesh and Thena, right? They they kind of pair off. You have Makari and Druig, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and Fastos, and he has the the human uh, the human husband. I did like that. Uh, Steven had mentioned it, so Fastos. Fastos, what have you, his whole deal being that he can create technology and he uses it to help the humans evolve. Um, so when Hiroshima occurs, he's sitting amongst the ruins. He says that humans aren't worth saving. When that gets referenced later to his husband, I like this part. He just says, I got lucky, you know, yep. and which is, which is kind of that. That's how, that's how it works in life sometimes, you yeah. know? Um, if someone was to negative, if a reviewer, a professional reviewer negatively rated this movie because it introduced themes of LGBTQ, they have no place being a movie reviewer. No, you know, it's, it's, it wasn't a central plot point. It was just something that was there. It was very tastefully implemented. It was it was less the fact that it was uh, a a gay couple with a child and more just the family element right. of him caring about these hum- this human that he found and their kid and wanting to protect them making a their house he says he says he doesn't use his powers anymore at one point but his entire house is ma- is invulnerable it's a safe house because he cares about yep. his family um and it's it's just a really cool implementation, and when you have these characters paired off together and they care about each other so much, um, obviously they focus on Icarus and Cersei, but it it makes you care about the two of them together, and it it makes their actions more understandable. Um, I agree with Stephen that Makari, the use of the speedster, right? It felt like during the spoilers scene where they're facing off against Icarus it's like every time there was a hit every time Makari hit Icarus it's like you could feel it they did like a great job with using like like the sonic boom and just you could really feel the punches and the impacts so CGI wise it was really really well done Um, some of the stuff like the deviants kind of whatever I believe this is the first Marvel movie I've seen that had sprawling text at the beginning to expedition exposition wise explain the the story because it is a lot it's 10 characters and there's a there's way too much to try to pack so that can get confusing um case in point i'm I'm forgetting their names we're talking about them i thought it was like fastidious (laughs) or whatever um you know, but they they did a good job. Humor again, t- uh, becoming another plot point with uh, Karun. Was that his name? Oh, Kingo. Yeah, the, uh, the not oh, oh Kingo's human sidekick. Oh, oh yeah, you cameras. know what? I don't know. I believe his name is Karun. Um, Guess as good as mine. 
but it was funny and the humor the humor is working now yeah. so they're they're doing this balance of gritty and comedic and it's working in my opinion um but to be able to introduce double digits worth of new characters and make you care about them mm -hmm. you know and understand why they do what they do whether it's you know your loyalty to what you believe is your fate versus doing the right thing and are they even mention it are we the good guys are we the bad guys i think we're the good guys <laughs> You know, and, uh, yeah. they literally say that. Kingo yeah, of course says we're that. the good I, the, guys. This, we're the ones you know, we, we, yeah. we create life. We do this for bad guys. For a don't reason. do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's cool, and it, it's something that people in general, like superheroes, it, it's like a central theme. But they outright say it. I thought that was really cool. Yep. Um, I did think that. I don't. Maybe this was something that was the point, and I missed it. The actor that played Druig, I thought that his, uh, I thought he was kind of wooden. Like, I don't know. I was trying to figure out whether he was supposed to be like monotone or whether it just seemed like bad acting. But the, his lines that he delivered seemed like they kind of fell short to me or that he, he almost seemed kind of bored with what <laughs> he was saying. Maybe that's part of the character and I missed it, but it came off to me like... Like it was just bad acting. I think he was concentrating on, uh, his, on his accent because it seemed like his accent was so strong that yeah. he was trying to concentrate on having a more understandable accent <laughs> for the people watching. Being able to enunciate, yeah, yeah and and make sense. But it, it was it threw me off because um, he tries to he you know there are a few times where he gets angry, but it just came off so yeah. weird. Um, but overall. I thought it was really, really good. Um, definitely more than 46%. Yeah. I don't know that I'll watch it again. It's one of right. those movies where it's also, that's a two, two hour, 37 minute commitment. I watched it. I liked it. Um, I don't know if I'd watch it again, but I did enjoy it and I thought it was worth the ticket. Oh price. yeah, I agree. And when I was watching it the first time, I, uh, it was probably the first time ever that I looked at my watch while watching a Marvel movie. I, me too. I was like, wait a minute, how, yep, how far too. are we into this movie already? And we haven't really gotten a fight scene yet. And it's but then watching point. it the second time, while knowing what's happening, it's it's easier to fall into it because you've watched it already, so you know what's going to happen and you know why the stuff that's happening you're watching is happening. So. It, I liked it way better the first, the second time than I did the first time, uh, but yeah, that's just my my thoughts on it. My favorite characters, I know we just talked about Druig. My favorite characters in the movie were Makari and Druig. Their chemistry between the, the each other, just as actors, was amazing. And when Druig se uh, sees Makari for the for the first time after two thousand years and says, "My beautiful, beautiful Makari." And she just smiles at him. And I'm just like, this is so cute. It's so cute. It is cute. A lot of uh, yeah. I loved it so much. And then like, just their chemistry throughout the movie was just so good. It was one of my favorite parts of the movie. And it didn't even happen that often. So, <laughs> But yeah. And then when Makari fights Icarus and she just... But the fact is when, when she thinks that uh, Dreg's dead because of Icarus... You hear because she she yells she screams, she yeah, screams yeah. 
I didn't realize that the first time, but she screams. And for for a deaf person, that's pretty big because they don't like to, they don't, they can't hear themselves. So they don't, they don't usually speak. Um, So when, when she screamed, it was such a big deal. It seemed uh, because that was the first time we heard her in the movie, you know? Oh yeah, I, yeah. I fell for her character in that moment. Yeah, and then when Icarus comes down and she slams him into the freaking the into the cliff, oh. and she's just rubbing her yeah. head and she's just so mad. She's so mad because she thinks Druag is dead, and oh, man, that was it was so good. And then when Thena and Fastos and Makari are just beating up on on Icarus, I'm just like the whole time. And when I saw her the second time yesterday. I was punching with them. I was like, let's go. Let's go. It was just so <laughs> exciting because they're like, pop, 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 pop. And like one after the other, just just kicking the shit out of Icarus. Uh, but yes, that was, again, that's my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> but mm. yeah. yeah, these are definitely characters that I would love to see more in the MCU. Right. Me too. Wait, and I think I, we will. Yeah. I, th- I think we will. There's... Um, I don't know if we want to get into it now, but the uh, the ending of the movie and then the first post credit scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to know as well. I thought it was interesting. I looked it up afterwards because I wanted to see um, the actress that plays Makari Lauren yes. Ridloff. Fucking dead. Um, her act. She her actually being. She is. She deaf, is yes. deaf. Right. Just like yes. in, in life. Which I think it's it's really it's really cool to, and we talked about this in our our other episode episode uh, four, um, but representation yep. right, um, like we have Echo coming up in uh, in the Disney Plus series that's coming out who who is deaf representation of deaf superheroes. And ha- being able to weave that into the story and have it be natural, and it makes them very unique, yep. you know. Um, and it it added to, in my eyes, it added to the chemistry between her and Druig, and like the sign language, and um, when they go back onto the ship at which where she's been hanging out, and she has yeah. books everywhere, and she's been reading. And, yep. You know, it's just like, it's it's just it's cool, yeah. <laughs> it's cool. Um, so I'm a big fan of that, but uh, yeah, overall, um, overall, the way that she was able to portray a a deaf superhero, and the fact that there are deaf superheroes, which it seems like there's starting to be a lot now, like there's or just like very, um, very represent representative of uh, people who have these disabilities, but are able to kind of turn them into into yep. strengths. It's it's very cool yep. to see. Absolutely. Yeah. I I honestly don't think we really need to go over the breakdown of the movie after just discussing it in so far so much in depth. Um it's just the, our favorite scenes in the movie. So Steven, let's we know we've heard a lot about what when you were giving your initial thoughts, but uh do you have anything else to to add to to that to the movie itself and what you liked about it, who your favorite characters were before we move into the post-credit scenes? Actually, I do. Yeah. So uh, we were talking about Makari for uh, very, very recently. Um, I loved how in the in the ore that they introduced everybody back into like the present day. Like they you you see Cersei and you see Sprite and then you 
see Icarus and then you see Ajax is dead and then you see um is it Kingo? Kingo? Kingo. Kingo. Yep. Yeah. Kingo. And then you see uh Gilgamesh and Thena and you see um you see uh Druig and then Fest and then Festos and then you see Makari. Makari is the last person the last you one, that right? they they show. But she is as she is the last person, she's also the one who did the most damage to Icarus. The one who could do the most damage to Icarus. Um, I, I found that so freaking cool. Right. How the person who could have the most effect on him, as far as like fighting him, was the last person shown. And just like Mike had shown, like when you finally see her, she's in the uh, the ship... And she's reading books and stuff like that, and she's like, "Is it time to go home?" And like, no, and she's and she see her go, like, ah, no. poop, like kind of like a that. Oh, and I'm no. like, that's so fucking cute. Like, right. I could, I nice. could totally see like a like a um like more movies of her, or even a freaking TV series of of that character. I really could. It's just a sweet uh, character who um knows who knows um Druig very well. To the point where, like, it seems like she's the only one who could truly get through to him as far as knowing what's right and what's wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and helping him, helping him persuade Absolutely. him towards the towards the right path. Um, I do agree with you as far as uh, Druig's uh, character goes, or maybe actor. Um, I liked his powers. Um, it, it felt a little bit at points that it was a little monotone for me, Mm. for his character. I don't think he was underdeveloped. I just think that, um, the portrayal of it, of Druid was a little bit monotone. That might've been the point though, because you have, you have a lot of lively characters. I mean, you have freaking Gilgamesh, you have Kango, you have, uh, Sprite at moments. Um, like Cersei can even be uh, pretty lively at, at times. Like every single character has their moments, so him being the outlier who doesn't truly have those moments, aside from like when he's messing with people by like physically just t- taking over their minds, uh, just messing them with that way, or when he's with uh, Makari and he he says, "I won't tell if you don't tell." When she's uh, <laughs> the she steals the, the those the, t- the, t- the tablets oh, right. like that, and then um, he's just gonna sell it and all that. And, and he's he then takes controls some of the minds of the, of the guys who are fighting, and they 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 exchange that like oh you shouldn't be doing that he's like well you shouldn't be doing that and they're like she she signs I won't tell if you don't tell and he's like you got it and I'm like okay that was a pretty, that was, that's such a simple scene but it was so it, it was funny to watch it was fun to watch also uh, something that I wish I would have seen more of is Gilgamesh. I truly loved him. Like he's like he was awesome. He was a he was a powerhouse. He was a powerhouse, but also yeah. he had a cuddly side or a, a goofy side and it was so cool. Right. Um, with his pie. Yeah, yeah with his freaking pie. He's, he's a baker and a cooker <laughs> yeah. now. It was so good. Yeah. And then when they uh he bitch slapped that one deviant. Right? He did. Oh my god. Like oh, you're getting he back punches up? him, turns right. around and then all of a sudden he hears the deviant behind him and he's like, You wanna mess with me again? All right, you're lost. Backslap. Done. He's like, now you're done. All right, cool. And then they all join forces again. But 
Um, it was it's it's it was. For me, it was tough to watch because because with Thena's case, it reminded me of a person like a couple where one of them was was experiencing was like suffering from like Alzheimer's or dementia or something like that, and mm-hmm. like say you're in the house with your significant other and they forget who you are and they just lunge at you because they think you're a total stranger. That's what it kind of reminded me of with Thena and Gildamesh. Yeah. It happens because like he was the only one who could truly get through to her everybody else when she would attack every single person it was like no hold barred like nobody could get through not even ajak could really help her but gilgamesh when she, when they were together she was more herself she was more able to control it even when she was freaking out and she would attack gilgamesh and he he did show the scars once in a while like i was like well, that's what she did this morning like oh yeah um like he would say, stay, repeat that again, stay. And she's like, stay. All right. Cause like she, she, cause she trusted him to that extent, you know, and she, he was able to get her back to earth or back to reality in a sense, you know, mm-hmm. and not in that, uh, PTSD ish, uh, dementia, Alzheimer's ish kind of, uh, state where all goes to shit and, um, she doesn't know what's true, what's what's fake, you know, all that stuff. I found that to be very cool. There were so many moments like that. And I wish, I really wish, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, <laughs> that they didn't kill him, man. Like, I would have loved to see him in yeah. future movies. And maybe they show f- more no. flashbacks of him in it. That would be awesome. Maybe they could bring um, him back because he's a machine. They... They've he died. Is. They've died yeah. multiple times on other planets, True. so they could. He could come back. But was that, but was that confirmed that they died multiple times, or just that they their minds were erased multiple times? Because I was under the impression it was they were just erased multiple um, times, and that well, they were not meant to die. You I know? think but that if they died, they my would understanding is that it was their memories. But. So, so but you guys think when, that if they, if they die, they don't get rebuilt. They don't. They just never. They cease to exist as as the Eternals anymore. They just they well, don't no. get rebuilt, right? I I I just I just don't think that they have been killed before. Uh-huh. I think this has been a, a unique circumstance where they were killed by the Deviants because um, up to this point, the Deviants didn't really know that they could absorb the power the powers of them and like because at because every time that the Deviants fought against the uh, Eternals, they were always together. It was always all ten of them uh, overlooking each other. So if anyone ever were to come into a bind, there was another Eternal to step in to help them out. Whereas in the like in the present day, when the the Deviants are attacking, like the, you, have, you know that Ajax gets betrayed. Um, and if it wasn't for Ajax be, being the first one to die, uh, Spoiler, I'm, I apologize, but this entire thing is a spoiler <laughs> at this point. Um, we'll, we'll put it in the Yeah, yeah. So if um, if Ajax weren't the first person to die, I don't think it would have been as significant for the re- remaining people, the remaining Eternals, because without the healing powers, it doesn't matter if you have the, the, the strength of um, Gilgamesh or the speed of Makari or whatever you have, because if you get hit, you're done, you know. Like the previous times. You bring up a, you bring up a really good point, and it's something that I thought about during during the movie, where you're right. Every time they go up against the deviants, 
they're all together, right? Right. And they, their powers, for the most part, play off of each other so well that they need to be a team to make it work. Um, the scene with Ajax, right, with when when she's killed by the deviant, it made me think about the fact that there's a few of the there's a few of the Eternals that, that cannot defend themselves. Right. Um, Ajax can heal, kind of like a medic, if you will. Mm. Ajax can heal herself and heal others, but she has no offensive kind of capabilities. And the same thing happens with Druig during a scene uh, when they're in the Amazon rainforest where he's he ends up being saved um, by, I believe it's Kengo, uh, who has his little, little handguns. But a few of them are able to... Spirit gun. Affect, yeah, we're <laughs> able to affect humans, and you know, like, uh, you know, there's Fastus who has, uh, as we found out later, has offensive capabilities and being able to restrict people. But a few of them are straight up like essentially gun wielders. They've yeah, warriors exactly. They've got guns, and they they end up getting taken right. out, as we saw. Um, but uh, I thought that was very, very interesting. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. When they were fighting alone, it didn't work out too well for them. But right. So, I I think so. I believe that Erishan has the ability to bring them back, um, whether or not he does, because. Is to be determined. I mean, I would, I would love to see all ten of them back again. You know, that'd be pretty cool. Um, but I guess sometimes a uh, it, it helps with the intrigue of future movies if you know that it's kind of broken. Like not all ten of them are together, so not so it's not gonna be the full force. You know, you're you're working with half your your strength because you don't have everybody like by your side. That might be intriguing, but I think Erisham has the ability to bring them back. I'm just thinking he stated at the end of the movie when he took took um Kang, when he took Kango, Cersei, Kingo. and what I say? So he took Kingo, Kingo, uh, Kingo, Cersei, Cersei and, and Fastos. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, he took them. He said that he was going to be back and he was going to judge Earth. You know, to see if they were worthy of saving, you know, all that. If they made the right decision, if he claims they made the right decision, he might say, all right, well, their sacrifices were not in vain. I will bring them back, you know, all that. Um, but if he believes that Earth should not be around anymore and that they wasted their time, he might keep them dead. But I would still love to see these characters back. Like, um... I I wish we had seen more of Gildamax. I already talked about that. Athena, uh, that was a very intriguing uh, backstory. You know, her being able to kind of recall her memories from her previous uh, times as an Eternal, not just on Earth but other planets. You know, that's basically what caused her memory to, or her or her to like kind of to fade away from her reality, kind of attacking everybody that she knows. Because it was just too much. Mad weary, yep. It was mad weary. Yeah, mad weary. Um, what did they call that? Mad weary? I would weary? like to see more in the next one mad of weary, yeah. Kingo. I would like to see more 
of Sprite, I think. Um, and more of Makari, you know. I think those are the three characters. If I had to choose three characters I that I'm very intrigued with, that I would love to see more, it would be those three. Well, Sprite's not technically an Eternal anymore. However, I was thinking about this the other day, and if they can make her human, they could also make her an Eternal, right? Uh, so I know they made her human at the end of the movie. What the, the reason why I think they did that was because the actress is 16 years old, and she's obviously going to age up. Right, she's not going to be. She's not going to look the same oh, in a few years when they point. bring the Eternals back. So, what I was thinking was they wanted to remove that as a an issue, make it so she's aging during the time frame during that time frame, and then when they need her again, they make her an Eternal, but she's older. So makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah, completely yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's a good good way right. to do that. That's, it's a clever that's way to I do thought, that. But I, I just really wish we saw more of Dane Whitman. Um, I know that we're probably yeah. going to see him at some point in the future. Definitely going to see him at some point in the future. But I wish we saw just a little bit more of him in the movie. I know he's in one of the post credit scenes, which we'll get to later. But, yeah. Um, also, I agree with Gilgamesh. Wish we saw more of him. And... You know, did you? I wish we didn't have Crow. Crow is the deviant that was kind of following the Eternals throughout the movie. He, yeah, it seemed he did, pointless. He, I know. It, it's just, it seemed like they wanted him to be the bad guy, but then la- it kind of feels like last minute they changed it and was like, oh, Icarus is going to be the bad guy now. But it's right. uh, so we didn't really need him in there, and he dies almost immediately, <laughs> but after fighting Thena. But that was so I know, I know. After gaining Gilgamesh's powers and also Ajax's powers, but yeah, but then that as well as what else was I going to say? Um. Oh, did you guys know that? The Domo, which is the name of their ship. Did you know that in the comic yeah. books, that Domo is actually an Eternal? So. I did know that, yeah. That was, did you? Yeah, yeah. fun little fact. Like the ship the, is an Eternal? I think it's, it's a, a person, person, actually. I think it's a person who might, might be operating the ship. Oh. Uh, but, yeah, so Domo is technically is an Eternal in the comics. But, yeah. So that's hmm. that's my, like, think my remaining thoughts on the movie yeah do you guys have anything else before we jump into the post credit scene yeah. by chance i one one thing i wanted to bring up and maybe this was just me and maybe there's an untapped phobia that i'm not aware of but the pure scale of erishim oh, so with cool. the the scenes when they it's crazy the scenes when they go and they, they speak with him just the size of his face and then towards the end when they show the full body mm. yep. uh, version of him in comparison to the earth it like almost gave me vertigo <laughs> to think about like being such a small little nothing in this giant giant celestial yep. being and so Stephen, I believe had brought it up earlier uh, whether it was this episode or the last one 
in how they're going to be able to portray Galactus. Yes. Oh. Um, and Earth. And just being able to set that scale of how enormous <laughs> these beings are. It's awesome. Yeah. And it's it's uh, the scene when this the uh, when Arishim shows up on Earth and in the sky you see like his face appear. It's just, it's yeah. freaky, you know? It's it it really is. Um, but I love I love that kind of stuff and you can get a real sense of how enormous these <laughs> these uh, these beings really yeah. are and it's uh it's just a cool maybe it was just the way they did the camera work but it it, it really showed it, the effect was was uh yeah. apparent on me it worked yeah. on me to show how huge yeah, these I got some are. goosebumps when I got goosebumps when uh when that happened cuz it mm. just the clouds parted and he just shows up like Cersei. Imagine how scary that would be if that <laughs> if that really happened. I, well, for who? For the Eternals or for the humans that have been through Avengers, humans, all man. Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Age of Ultron, uh, the regular Avengers movie. So like they've been through all this stuff already, and <laughs> they're just like, oh, okay. Well, it's another godlike figure in the sky. Whoop de doo. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but I love that scene though, because the moment he's like, um, I'll be back to place my judgment i immediately thought of uh galactus i'm like who else would he send yeah but sometimes sometimes in the comic books i heard that galactus actually fights celestials and can fight multiple celestials at once so i'm not sure if galactus will be on the celestial side during this but it could be maybe in the next couple years we see a galactus like an eternals 2 galactus is trying to to bite a chunk into earth so, so I guess. <laughs> I hope that happens verbatim. I hope he bites a chunk. In yes, the just, <laughs> just like a cookie. He just takes it. This does like, not ah. taste good. I like a cookie, like, like, like an orange, like a delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This needs hot sauce. <laughs> were uh, Were there any more thoughts on the movie itself before we jump into the post credit scenes? Oh. Well, actually, my next I mean, thoughts were going to be so. the post-credit scene, so yeah, we're okay. good. Oh, yeah, me too. Actually. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's jump into the first post-credit <laughs> yeah, scene. Ahead. Okay, so this one, uh, so the mid-credit scene is Thena, Druag, and Makari are in space talking about how they can't get in touch with the remaining Eternals on Earth. So a bright light happens in the hallway, uh, and some vibrations happen, and then Pip the Troll comes out of nowhere. He teleports into the ship. And then he starts introducing the next person who's also walking out of the darkness who just got teleported. And this ends up being Eros, 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 who is also Sky Fox and being played by Harry Styles. And he's the brother of Thanos. And... Yep, and then he's he says, uh, you don't have to say this every time. And Pip's like, well, you're so impressive. <laughs> so everything you do is impressive. Uh, and then Eros, Eros says, uh, your friends are in trouble. Um, we got to go help them. And then, yeah. So that's kind of the post-credit scene He says he knows right where there. they are. Yeah, Mike, what are your thoughts on the post-credit scene? Yeah. Um, it... So Pip is essentially like a, almost like a uh, a court jester, right? Or he he announces. I don't think um, that's his job, Eros. but I had, I had a, he's doing it. 
It seems he, yeah, that's what he's doing. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so it's a couple of a couple of things. I'm sure, in relation to the actual character Eros, there's explanations for the questions that I have. Um, got you. What do you got? I don't. Why isn't he purple? Right. So easy question. Uh, so an easy answer. So it, uh, Thanos is also an Eternal but has a deviant gene. So he's purple, but his parents and Eros aren't purple. They're more human-shaped. Okay. But because Thanos had the deviant gene, that's why he's purple. But, yeah. So in the comic books, uh, they're brothers, of course, but also his grandfather, I don't remember their names at the moment, but his father's an eternal, and so is his grandfather. And they're, they were created by Celestials. They're kind of like rogue cele- uh, Eternals, similar to the Eternals now. They're kind of rogue, and then they, they do their own thing. And then, of course, a couple generations later, Thanos is born, and he destroys half of life. <laughs> but that's, that's your answer to that. That's the reason why he's purple. <laughs> okay. Yeah, when I was listening to, uh, when I first watched the scene, and you had Pip, which the CGI for Pip was pretty good. Oh yeah, considered. you think so? Okay. Um, I, I mean, it it wasn't the worst I've ever seen, but it definitely. I mean, it could have, it definitely could have been yeah. improved. But I'm assuming I'm assuming they didn't need to go balls to the wall for a mid credit scene, and maybe <laughs> the actual like movie will look better. But uh, the voice it sounded like Pat Oswalt, and I just confirmed right now it, it was, was. Pat Oswalt, which is interesting to me because he's already in the MCU. If you watched Agents yeah. of Shield. He was the uh, the shield guy that had a thousand yeah. twins. Like, yeah. He was like a series oh, of yeah. ten twins. That's yeah. right. So he's all over. Yeah. So he's already, he's already like locked in, but now he's. Uh... I didn't get that. Okay, my, my watch didn't get that. Um, <laughs> maybe, <it's... laughs> but uh, I thought that was interesting that he's kind of double dipping into the MCU. Uh, I also think it's interesting from a actor perspective the kind of career that Harry Styles has had. (laughs) Just being in one direction and then now transferring into movies and now he's already in a Marvel movie. He was in Dunkirk as well, which I've Um, seen that movie and that was was. a pretty crazy movie. Because... Yeah. I mean, it seems like it works. Um, When I first saw the little sparklings, uh, if you will, um, and then Harry Styles was walking into view... I don't know why. I thought it was going to be Adam Warlock. You know, <laughs> you know what? A part of me thought that too. So he, no, me too. Me too. Yeah. I thought it was going to be, which would have been really cool. But uh, I don't know much about the character, which these movies have gotten to a point. Maybe they've always been this way, but the other characters were much more identifiable. People knew Spider-Man and Iron Man right. and Captain America, especially. But it really rewards fans who really know their shit about marvel <laughs> i had no idea who dane whitman was i had to look it up afterwards. oh really um i i had no idea who eros and pip the troll <laughs> and sky star fox or sky fox or whatever the hell like i had no i had to go look it up afterwards um That's good. so it's obviously much cooler if you know the character 
especially for example when they first introduce hi my name is dana whitman and you go oh i know who that is and you're waiting for it and then it pays off you know like that's that's really cool so yeah it's you don't really lose much by not knowing you kind of lose a bit in the next credit scene which we're going to talk about if you don't know what the hell's going on um but uh it's I think overall, it's it was definitely a cliffhanger, but it's a yet another character that we're being introduced to, and he just happens to be a member of One Direction. Yeah. So I get a lot, I got this question a couple times. What, when are we going to see these guys next? When are we going to see these Eternals and Harry Styles? When are we going to see these guys next? Stephen, I know you, I know you want to give your thoughts on the post credit scene, so I'll ask you this, and then you can dive into your uh, your thoughts on the post credit scene. So what do you? When do you think we'll see these guys again? Honestly, I think we're we are introduced to these guys in Phase Four, which I think was a good time to introduce them with because if you threw them in in Phase Three with, with Thanos, would have been an overload of, of things. Wouldn't have made sense. Uh, Post Thanos, it makes sense. I think pre Kang the Conqueror made sense to introduce them. So I don't think we're going to be seeing much of them until after. The Kang the Conqueror era is done. Now that could be okay. in two years, it could be three years in the line. I'm not really sure when they're truly going to be ending that era with Kang the Conqueror. Cause they cause I mean they they could go a long time. when is Ant Man Quantum Mania anyway? I forget. Uh, I think it's twenty twenty three. Yeah, it's pushed back. So I think it's maybe July of twenty twenty three or May of twenty twenty three. Gotcha. Okay, so Kang the Conqueror is in that movie, right? So I mean, yes. Um, we we have a long way to go. I don't think <laughs> we'll be seeing the Eternals again until like, or we'll, we'll see. Maybe we'll see like a post credit scene once once in a while, whatever. Because you know we have an expanded universe now, but I don't think we'll be seeing another Eternals movie. Um, probably until twenty twenty four. Honestly. You think so? Well, yeah, no, it sounds like a very long time, but you know. Yeah, I'm hoping that they they bring the characters into certain projects like Guardians of the Galaxy, or maybe even the Miss the the Marvels movie, or maybe I don't know Secret Invasion. I don't know, like just a random project. Like like let's let's throw Fastos in there just for the hell of it, or throw Makari and Drag in there, or Athena. Just it'd be fun to throw them in there every once in a while. But Clint, I don't think I don't even know if we're gonna get a, a second movie because the director said that uh, they weren't planning on it. They weren't planning. They weren't planning them this movie around having a second movie, which is understandable because they want to build the universe and we already know these characters now. So why not include them in different projects? But yeah. So so Stephen, what was your thoughts on the post credit scene? Uh, I kind of laughed. I really did. <laughs> now, of the, of the two, I think that was one that uh, was pretty cool. I don't. I, I I prefer. I think I preferred the second scene more, but or or better. But um, <laughs> as soon as I saw Harry Styles, I could not. I wasn't like, oh, that's arrows, cool, or oh, that's Sky Fox. I was like, is that Harry fucking Styles right now? Fucking Harry Styles. And Style. everybody Harry, around Harry. me in the theater when I first saw it, they were like. Oh my God! What the fuck is that, Harry Styles? I was like, ha, no one really wants this to happen. Okay, but um, I'm intrigued that now that he's in the MCU. 
Um, I'm. It, it's it's cool. They brought Thanos' brother into this. He is an Eternal. He has the orb or whatever it was that Cersei and uh, Ajax both had. Mm-hmm. So, he, a part of me feels like, based on the feats that Pip is talking about in the post credit scenes, like, oh, the things you do is just so impressive and all that. <laughs> what if... What if he conquered his celestial, the one that he, uh, that created him, or, or the one that was hunting down his oh. family? What if he conquered that one, so he knows where um, Arishim is taking the the Eternals that um, he created, you know, or right. the ones the ones that, that he captured? Like he knows where they are. He knows how to stop Arishim, or he knows how to get more celestials on his side now. That some celestials might fear him, they might call him the celestial conqueror. Who knows? I don't. I don't know. Well, that's what like, I was thinking when he brought out the orb. I was like, I think he has one of the celestials on his side. That's why he knew that the Eternals got taken and that they're in trouble because mm. the, one of these celestials uh, is kind of like a double agent, you know. But right. that, that was my thoughts when I saw the scene. But you, you think that uh, he killed the celestial that he took the that gave him the orb. So that's interesting. I do, I do, yeah. It, it, it's it's a very far fetched, but still, I think it, that it that is what makes sense in my mind. Um, and with him killing a celestial, or even like taking full control over the celestial, other celestials uh, will follow suit because they fear this one person. Like, who the heck is this eternal being <laughs> that can stop us if if we are truly killable? Like, this is not good. Um, and Arishim is considered to be the prime celestial, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, correct. Maybe he create he finds an army to take on one celestial. Like, say, an army of four or five celestials taking on Arishim. They might not win. Like, we don't know what the hell could happen. They they could completely decimate entire galaxies fighting each other. But because we wouldn't know, we don't know what their true powers are. But they're so, it's it's so freaking cool to think about where the MCU is going from here on out. Um, you've already seen what Thanos can do, and there were some theories. There were some th- there was a theory out there. I'm not sure if one of you guys mentioned it, but I thought it was very cool and very possible. What if Thanos knew that the Celestials were out there? And in order to prevent the Celestials from taking over more planets, because the reason why Celestials were able to um, be be born is because they had enough people on any given planet to then gain mm. energy or life from that and then be born and taken out of the entire planet. Thanos wiped out half the population of the entire universe or entire galaxy, whatever, whatever, whatever the biggest thing is, he wiped out half the population, preventing so many rebirths, uh, or, or, or so many um, births of celestials, emergencies, thank you, emergencies of celestials. What if he knew? Like he, he's, he is considered to be a very uh, a genius. He's considered to be a smart person, or smart um, eternal. And what if he knew the entire time that the Celestials could do this and they had way too much power and he so he thought what if I took out half the universe and I thought of a reason that would 
get some people on board. And that was, you know, resources are kind of slim, so if I take out half the population, it won't be a problem. But what if there were two reasons why? That and also stopping the Celestials from, from emerging. What if he knew this all along? So the like I, I saw that theory and I was like this has this this has there ha, there's some weight behind this there really is, because you saw a glimpse of his motives, but he could have had multiple motives of of doing the things he did, and the Avengers and everybody else in the galaxy would never have known that he was just preventing Celestials from emerging. Because without without a uh, overpopulation, in on all these planets. The celestials aren't even a thing. They're not. They they can't be what they are. So. Um, That's all right. When I, I think he's just a dickhead. <laughs> he might just be a dick. He's like I just did this for the lulls, you know, <laughs> whatever. <Yeah>. But <laughs> he's, he was bored. Yep. Yeah, but I mean, now that you're in, introduced to uh, Thanos' brother, like, we we like I when Thanos in Infinity War walked onto the screen. I gasped every single time because I was nervous for every superhero that was was on the screen with him, fighting him. When freaking, and spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen Infinity War or Endgame, but... Um, I'm still in the first story. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but up, man. in on. Infinity War, when, when Thanos is on Titan fighting Iron Man and the Guardians of the Galaxy and Doctor Strange and Spider-Man and all that shit like that, when Spider-Man's jumping th- back and forth between the the, uh, the portals and shit like that, and he gets choked, like gets caught in midair by Thanos, I was scared that he was going to snap his neck right then and there. Again, we already knew that Tom could, Holland... Yeah, he could just crush his head. Yeah, he just crushed yeah. his head like, so easy. I'm like, no, God, please. Or when Doctor Strange was was fighting him in the mirror dimension, and he used the Infinity Gauntlet to punch through the mirror dimension. I was like, motherfucker, oh my God, no. But the worst part, and I think everybody knows this one, when fucking Iron Man's fighting him one on one, and he's punching him, and he finally gets, he finally draws blood on Thanos, and he goes all that for a drop of blood. And I'm like motherfucker, he, he hits you with everything he had, his most upgraded suit. He hits you with everything he had, and all he did was draw a drop of blood, and then he turns over and he smirks. I'm like oh no, and then he fucking throws Iron Man in the air. He's punching him, just pulverizing him, and finally. Um, Iron Man takes his the sword he tries to stab him with it Thanos catches it and then stabs him hey, at that moment breaks off a piece of breaks his off, own breaks armor breaks it off of his, his, his a weapon yeah. and uses it as a weapon and stabs him in that moment my heart sank I was like oh my god me too this guy is a savage this guy is a fucking ruthless and then he went through in Wakanda with five of the six infinity stones and he dist- he just wiped out everybody. Like, wasn't even a fucking challenge for him, you know. Like, Black Panther comes his way, takes him out with the with the with the uh, Power Stone. Um, what the heck's his name? Bucky and everybody else. They come through. He uses the Space Stone to th- the to kind of warp where they are. The Reality Stone. He uses. He uses. It's when he was on the screen. When wherever he was, I was always fearful for the people he was fighting against in Infinity War. Same thing happened in Endgame, even though like they were, it wasn't as high stakes, I guess you could say, in Endgame um, at the end, because you knew that certain people were going to survive, but you could, you were still a little bit nervous for the people that, you know, that you'd already seen Black Widow 
sacrifice herself. And like, I kind of had a, a feeling that Iron Man was going to die. But aside from that, I was a little fearful. Whenever Thanos on the screen, he had that presence as a villain that made your heart stop. You're like, oh my God, who's in jeopardy now of losing their life from this man, this, 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 this deviant? Well, seeing what he can do, that was a long-winded way of saying, seeing what he can do and then seeing his brother in Eternals with that orb, with the potential of being even better than he was I don't know man this it the uh it was such a short scene really it was but I love the possibilities that came out came out of it yep it was a good one is <clears throat> is Eros a is he a villain or is he a hero um in the comic books, he's kind of both. Not really a villain, but his... Because his power is like the power of of making people fall in love with him. So, yeah, oh. it's like lust. Almost like people lust after him. So that's kind of his power. And he can talk his way into people like liking him. And that's why when he when you first meet him, parents, he tells yeah. Thena she's be- like she's more beautiful than people have des- like described. Uh Oh, so that's he, right. he gets them. Also, oh, he's just a charmer. He's a charmer, right? That's pretty much his power. Uh, but yeah, so he's the thing is that in the comic books he has kind of a hazy past because sometimes because when he talks to women or or males uh, in the comic books, they kind of lose themselves, and then they'll sleep with him. So, so there's been some times where in the comic books where they accused him of, you know, like of sexual harassment or rape because they didn't, they didn't give their okay because they weren't in the right mind uh, because of right. his power. And so, so that, I really mm-hmm. hope they don't do that in the MCU because that's a pretty serious topic to throw into an MCU movie. But yeah, I hope they kind yeah, of change it, it to where he's more, more charming, mm-hmm. but he doesn't, doesn't yeah in that regard so that's he's kind of both in the comic books he does fight with thanos a lot he actually beats the crap out of thanos a couple times uh so he can he is pretty strong he's a good fighter but yeah so that's that's who uh (laughs) apparently uh apparently that power is referred to its official name is pleasure stimulation really (laughs) pleasure stimulation He can. He has the psionic ability to stimulate the pleasure centers wow. of the brains of people within twenty five <laughs> okay. feet. Okay, uh, of nice. course. So by concentrating, he can magnify, provoking such extreme pleasurable sensations that a person becomes highly aroused. Wow. I really hope that this doesn't happen. In, he in, give it. He MC. give it to people to bone. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> well. Yeah. Did you have wow. any more thoughts, Mike, on the uh, on Eros or the first post credit scene? Uh, I I just think it's. I uh, thank you for explaining why he's not. Very <laughs> You're welcome. You're that. very welcome. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see where that where that goes. I like Steven's theory about the celestial. Like maybe he. Uh, 
maybe he took control of the celestial. I I want to see this. Maybe maybe this is more the actual Eternals movie themselves. I'm very interested to see how the Frozen Eternal is going to become referenced. Not Frozen Eternal, the Celestial. How that's going to become referenced in the future Marvel movies? Because that's not just like some kind of small deal. That's like a huge and enormous, <laughs> you know, celestial being. Yep. Tried to rise up out of the ocean and is now frozen. So that's people are going to take notice. It was already on the news in the movie. So that's I wonder how that's going to be. Uh, how that's going to be referenced, but uh, yeah, yeah. I just I think it's very interesting that um, to bring that character in, and to me personally, it makes sense because uh, Harry Styles uh, he gives me the boner, and I get oh, okay. why they were able to bring him in. You oh, know, yeah. You know what I mean? You get it. Yeah. You know what well, I mean? They just brought with yeah. him being in the MCU now. They just brought in a whole new crowd of people. Uh, <laughs> there's just uh, yeah. a bunch of yeah there's gonna be a lot of middle-aged moms at these moms. oh yeah for sure no it'll probably be mm. more like 14 to 30 year old women who are just like don't care about mcu but they love harry styles so they'll be coming to those movies let me see that pleasure simulation coming yeah, to exactly. those movies oh hey. coming soon <laughs> yes coming uh, I soon i see what you're putting down all right <laughs> Oh, shit. Well, <laughs> Steven, do you have any more thoughts on this uh, first post-credit scene before we move to the second? No, I think we uh, I think we can move on. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, so the post-post-credit scene is... In this scene, Dane Whitman is struggling to open a box. Uh, eventually, he does, and we see the ebony blade. Um, and... In the box, it says, death is my reward. Okay. Uh, and yeah, and he's go- he keeps going back and forth, and he's kind of struggling a little bit. And then he's about to touch the sword. And then, and then out of nowhere, a voice says, are you sure you're ready for that, Mr. Whitman? And then he looks and cuts to black. So we don't see who it was. However, the director of the... The director of the movie says that it is Mahersha Ali as Blade. So that is that it was a pretty quick post credit scene. He doesn't really talk that much and he touches the blade. The blade is kind of uh, it's the ebony blade. So it's it's a very powerful blade and whoever wields the blade, it kind of makes you go mad, go makes you go crazy. And you do that's why I say death is my reward, because you go mad and then you'll kind of spiral into death. And that's why his uncle was the one who gave that to him. And in the movie, Cersei says, you got to make amends with your uncle. And then, so he's like, no, no, I'm good. I don't want to do that. Eventually he does in the movie. We don't see it, but he does. His uncle gives him the sword, gives him the the stuff. And then, yeah, at the end of the post-credit scene, he touches the blade, I think. (laughs) And then we we get a blade reference. So, Stephen, what did you think about this? Did you know it was Blade when you heard his voice? Who did you think it was if you didn't think it was Blade? Actually, no, I didn't think it was Blade at all. Um, so when I first when I first heard it, I uh, I thought it was Nick Fury for some reason. <laughs> I didn't I didn't hear the the tone and the voice. All I heard was, "Are you sure you want to do that, Mister Whitman?" And I'm like, 
wait, are they trying to bring this guy into the Avengers? What the hell's going on here? Uh, I, I honestly, as soon as I, as soon as I realized it wasn't, um, Nick Fury, I was like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> and then it wasn't until you explained it to me later that it was Blade. I'm like, no fucking way. I, cause I didn't think that's how they were going to introduce him into the MCU. Uh, mm-hmm. I was hoping that the first time that you would see him would be in his actual movie or maybe, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe in Morbius, for example, which is coming out in January. Like maybe you'll see a little bit of that somewhere there, but I didn't think that you were going to see him in a post credit scene. So that threw me off completely. And now because I didn't really think, what, was, what the actor's name was, Kit, Kit Harrington? Is that his name? Yeah. Yep. Kit Harrington. I yep. have John never Snow. seen him before, uh, really act before. I know he played Jon Snow. I know um, everyone really loves um, Game of Thrones. I didn't find the interest to watch it. Otherwise, he probably would have been a, 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 a cool character to uh, look out for. Uh, I apologize for all Game of Thrones fans who are watching this, but <laughs> yeah, just had no interest to watch it. But I, but based on what we had seen in this movie of him so far, I did, I, this was a, this was a theory I went in with when I first saw him appear. I thought to myself, all right, so Cersei has been around for 7,000 years on Earth. She's been around for billions of years before that, you know. Uh, Icarus was her love. Uh, she married him, uh, all that, and then he disappears. He's out of the picture, and then she meets this guy, Kit Harrington's character. What's the guy's name again? Uh, man, Pat. Pat, Pat um, Dane Whitman. Dane Whitman. Completely different than I thought. All right, Pat. Dane Whitman. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. Pat. Sorry, I'm bad with names. Anyway. Pat Shitman. So, <laughs> so she fall. She she's she's with Dane Whitman now. And they don't really give you much on his backstory and all that. And a part of me was theorizing the entire movie before we find out other things. I thought he was a bad guy. I thought that he was low-key, like maybe a deviant or something that was undercover. You thought he was low-key? No. <laughs> no. I don't think so. No, no. I think... could <laughs> It could have been, but he was... Never mind. I'm not gonna make a joke. Um, so I thought, I thought um, that he was sent there to watch over Cersei and the other Eternals and like that, and like gain intel. Um, I thought maybe it would be revealed later on that he was only with her to uh, gain intel and to stop the Eternals um, and like kill them one by one. You know, like oh, I don't know. I was trying to figure it out because I was like, he has to be a bad guy. And now oh, that you find so out he's like, you supposed to be You didn't know who he was a, before you watched I didn't it, did truly you? know who he was. No. Uh-huh, okay. And so, like, when they when it's finally revealed, like, who, like, that Icarus kind of, like, he, he betrayed the Eternals and all that. Uh, and later on, like, they make up at the end of the movie and all that. And he's, he's talking about his uncle. I was intrigued. So I was like, I didn't really know what to think about this character until that post credit scene. I was like, is this guy important? Oh my god! Is this is he gonna play a pivotal role in the MCU at some point? I kind of hope so. So I, I was, so even though it wasn't that much, 
of a post credit scene, I still, as weird as it sounds, I enjoyed it more than the first post credit scene we saw. Um, because it has so much mystery to it. Because right. I have no idea who this guy is. Um, I have no idea how he's going to fit into the MCU as a whole. But I can't wait to find out. Yeah. You know, fun fact, Game of Thrones, um, Mike, I'm not sure if you've seen Game of Thrones, but in Game of Thrones, the actor who I plays Icarus, so, uh, so not Kit Harrington. Oh, yeah, Rob Ra- Stark. Yeah, Ra- he plays Rob Stark and then Jon Snow. So they're technically brothers. Actually, spoiler oh, alert. Yeah. No, I'm not going to do a spoiler for, for Game of Thrones. They're brothers <laughs> in, the, in this one. Uh, so it was funny because the last time you see them together is in season one. And he says, and uh, Rob Stark says to Kit Harrington's Jon Snow, the next time I see you, you'll be in all black. And that's the last line they shared together. And then when <laughs> they see each other in this movie, he's in all black technically, but he's the Black Knight. Oh, so yeah. it was just really, it was just really funny that the next time they see each other was in this where he plays the Black Knight. But, that's but awesome. also, uh, but Dan Whitten, Whitman's uh, uncle, where he gets the sword from, Dan Whitman's uncle is actually kind of a is a villain. In the comics, he he fights the Avengers a couple times, uh, so he's not a good guy. And eventually, he passes down the sword to Dame Whitman, who's a good guy, and eventually fights with the Avengers. Not not fights with them. He fights. He helps the Avengers. <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. He's he's part of the <laughs> Avengers. So, but the thing is, with this post credit scene, with Blade being at the end of it, it kind of makes me think that what we had predicted in the first episode. The Midnight Suns might be happening, where he co- blades going around and collecting all the mystical, weird characters like, like uh, Black Knight, like Werewolf by Night, maybe uh, Agatha oh, Harkness. Yeah. I don't know. Like he could be collecting all these mystical characters. Maybe even a Punisher could show up at some point. But Mike, yeah, what are your thoughts? <laughs> you know, similar to what Stephen was saying. Um, I was watching the movie and then all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden Kit Harrington shows up like, <laughs> ah, cool. And, um, cool. I was like, okay, so he's playing like a love interest or whatever. Like he's, he's the guy that needs to be saved. And then later on during, uh, right before Erishim, uh, shows up and, and whisks, uh, Cersei away he mentions that he has a secret that he's been hiding right. from Cersei and that his family history is complicated. And I was like, Oh, okay. So he's, you know, he's someone. And then we got to that, uh, that last scene. And I was like, I have no idea who this dude is. What is that sword? Like, you know what I mean? And he gets spoken to, and then there's a cuts to black and you had to explain it to me. And that's that goes more into what I was saying, where it really rewards people that know this stuff because I don't know who the fuck this dude was, <laughs> but if I did, then I would have been like, "Oh, Dane Whitman, of course, the Black Knight," and you know who's talking to him? That of course, that's Blade. <laughs> but uh, it's it was knowing it now, like what actually happened. It's a really cool scene, but 
not everyone has a mat that's right there <laughs> to explain what the fuck just happened. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm sure a lot of people are probably confused. Um, but knowing that, it's really cool. And the blade itself looks really yeah. cool. Um, with all the uh, the wrapped, what seems to be what, like gauze, yeah. like bloody gauze or whatever. Um, so it's it was very cool. Um, it's, again, another character to remember. Um, and now we're we seem to be on a little bit of a vampire kick with uh, with Blade and now yep. Morbius. So um, there's going to be even more people to to remember. So it's getting real complicated. There's a huge cast of characters, um, but you could definitely do a lot worse than than Kit <laughs> Harrington. I thought he did a great yeah, job. No, I agree. You know, I thought he, I thought he was really good, and uh, I think Blade's really cool. Kind of wish that Wesley Snipes was back, but I know that he's probably out evading taxes <laughs> again. So that would be freaking awesome yeah. if we saw him in Blade, though. Like somehow he's like maybe like an older kind of mentor. I don't know. Like yeah, it would be cool to see him as like a as yeah a yeah cameo. That'd be cool, but possibly uh, the Ebony Blade was forged by Merlin. Uh, so Merlin, like King Arthur, like yeah, the, the wizard. wizard? Like he was, it was forged by Merlin. Nice. So ever since then, um, uh, Dane Whitman's family have wielded it for each generation. But it, it seems like he didn't even know this was happening. So I'm guessing his, his I'm not sure why his uncle, maybe his uncle did. Yeah, well, it's got to be his uncle. But yeah, so it was a pretty, I think it was pretty cool. I thought it was Jeffrey Wright as the watcher at the end. I thought that's, that's what that's what it sounded yeah. like to me yeah. when I was uh, when I left the theater when I saw it the first time, and then later when I was watching like the breakdowns of it, uh, and then when Chloe Zhao was like, "No, it's Blade," and I'm like, "What? That's crazy! I did not hey, realize that." I did think it was interesting that she had yeah, to explain. Yeah, I didn't it. expect it to be. If Blade. she hadn't said that, then people would have no right, idea. Right, yeah. and I mean, I, yeah, I was freaking amazed when i heard that it was blade and i was even more excited because i was like that's the first time we're hearing a vampire in the mcu besides when loki and mobius was like oh we got vampires and we got all this stuff so he actually brings up vampires in the show but yeah this is pretty cool blade's coming in blade's supposed to also make an appearance in the moon knight series and then not sure what else he's supposed to come in he's yeah he's supposed to have a movie at some point uh with all these delays, probably 2024. I guess we'll see. But it's so far yeah, away. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, were there? But I, I do think the Midnight Suns are coming in at some point. But were there any other thoughts on this second post-credit scene? No, no. Did uh? No. It remains more to be That's seen. True. That you is know. true. Well. I know the, the next Marvel movie that's coming out is Spider-Man No Way Home. Potentially. We'll see. Because <laughs> we're like 34 days <laughs> away from this movie. 33 days. And we still don't have an official trailer. And I think they just released an official um, poster. And, you know, they just mentioned today that the red carpet premiere is going to be December 13th. Which is amazing because typically the red carpet premieres are about two to three weeks prior to the movie premiering uh, and for, for fans or for audiences. 
this movie, this movie's premiere is three days prior to the audience seeing the movie, which means, wow. which typically when that happens, this means either they're very poor planning or there's some very, very heavy spoilers in the movie that they don't want critics getting out prior to uh, the movie releasing to the fans. They did the same thing with Avengers Infinity War, I believe, as well as Endgame. They put it very, very close to when the audience were seeing it because they didn't want it. They wanted the least amount of time possible before the audience saw the movie and between critics seeing it because they didn't want any spoilers. Um after, as you can see, after we after the Eternals, there was a whole lot of spoilers for the Eternals movie. Eternals movie from critics who saw the movie, which was completely, I feel like, unacceptable for critics to be able to see this movie and then continue to be able to see the movie after spoiling parts parts of the movie. But that's just uh, yeah, that's just my thoughts on that. But that's our next movie, Spider Man. No way. Oh, woo But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so excited. But we're also going to be doing breakdowns of the Hawkeye series when that premieres on the 24th of November, which is in a couple of weeks. We got 12 days from when we're recording this, uh, from when that premieres, the first two episodes. So we'll be getting episodes out shortly after that premieres. And yeah, we got a, got some MCU content coming our way pretty soon. Uh, the year's not over yet. We got some stuff coming. So I cannot wait for the rest of the year but that's uh i think that will do it for this eternals breakdown episode and our thoughts on the eternals thank you all so much for listening and this is episode five and uh yeah remember my name is matthew my name is mike and my name is steven and we, we love, love you 3000 i'm not scared of the dark I'm not running, running, running. No, I'm not afraid of the fall. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. The brother stops. I'm not scared of the dark.